Hey, welcome back to the new episode of the Boring Launch Podcast, where we get to talk about the stories behind launches. This episode, I chat with my friend Scott Longstreet, who I've had the pleasure of working with back in Xbox and in EA, and we are going to talk about game servers. Scott is going to share some of his techniques that his team uses to ensure boring launches, such as war games. I'm your host, Raymond Arifianto. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. With me, I have my friend, Scott Longstreet. We've worked together a while ago, uh, back in Xbox and back in EA. And, you know, he's just an awesome guy. Hey, Scott, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to catch up with you. It's been a while since we chatted, so I'm kind of curious about what you've been up to. So maybe you can tell the listener, like, how did you get to where you are right now in EA? Absolutely, sure. So uh, am I an old timer yet? I might be. <laughs> I, I got into the games industry. Uh, well, I've been in the interested in the industry my entire life. You know, I grew up with an NES console in the 80s. Video games have been a part of my life since as long as I can remember. Um, but I, I professionally joined the industry in early 2010. And this was back in the height of the Xbox 360 days. I was on the Xbox Live team. And, you know, we were working on Project Natal. Um, I actually joined the team that was that was working. Our organization was called Xbox Live Studios. Mm -hmm. And we had a very exciting product called the One Versus 100 Live Game Show on Xbox Live. Do you remember this? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I joined the online services team as they were wrapping up their final season, sadly, because uh, I was a fan of the game uh, before I worked on the game. And yeah, from there, I had a, a lot of fun working on a lot of cool platform features and services for Xbox throughout the Xbox 360 era into the Xbox One era. That's when I got to know you. Um, I want to tell a, a quick anecdote about when I first met you. <laughs> Uh, this is, gosh, I don't remember exactly when. Uh, it was back in the 360 days, I want to say. Uh, I had gotten up from my desk and forgot to lock my workstation. <laughs> and somebody said, oh, no, no, go back, lock, lock real quick. And I was like, why? And they're, you're going to get raid. <laughs> I'm going to get raid. What does that mean? And they're like, yeah, there's this guy, Raymond. He goes around and and if you leave your workstation unlocked, he'll like uh, change your background and like put weird stuff on your computer. And I was like, what? <laughs> and so you had a bit of a reputation before I got to know you that like, oh, be careful. You're going to get raid. Oh, it's man. Like... Notorious. Notorious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's always been fun working with you, man. Um, later on, if we've got time, we can talk about how we uh, we did a presentation together in Stockholm while you were wearing a very ridiculous costume. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. That was after we shipped the Need for Speed, right? Yeah, yeah, good times. Yeah, right? we, should, we, should talk, we should talk about that. Yeah. So, all right. So you were in, you know, you, you, you started in Xbox Live, right? Like working on 1 versus 100. And then you work on some platform features. You work on Natal. Uh, you know, Natal is a code name for Connect. And and then you you know you went to all the way to ship Xbox One and I remembered in Xbox One when we were shipping Xbox One you were working on a really big title at that point. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Are you referring to Titanfall? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I actually, you know, in the spirit of boring launch podcast, mm -hmm. I have a great story about that. That was probably the most exciting launch experience I'd ever had. Would love to and hear it. I still it. remember it fondly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is a story about how great data and great dashboards can save your butt when you're launching a big game. Mm -hmm. So Titanfall was always online. Mm -hmm. From the first time you launched the title to every match that you play, you were connected to a server in the cloud. Mm -hmm. So when we were gearing up for Titanfall launch, we, we had flown the respawn folk in uh, to Studio A in Redmond. Mm -hmm. We were all hanging out together. It was late at night. And we were watching players come online as the game was released in each region. Mm -hmm. And we started noticing that 
our available capacity was was declining and it was kind of declining at an increasing speed. Mm -hmm. And we were like, what is going on here? When you launched the game, the single player training mode was hosted on an online game server in the cloud. Mm -hmm. And because at the time it took a few minutes to bring up a new machine, you know, we, we wanted to reuse these things. So once you were done playing your game, you know, it would kind of get recycled into this pool of available servers. And so um, someone at the studio made a really innocent seeming change mm -hmm. during launch night, which impacted the, the way that the game session closed at the end. Mm -hmm. Right, we we had this sort of um, terminating state where we would do some cleanup and prepare it to be recycled and available for the next session. Right. And something about that innocent change broke that flow, mm. where we were unable to reuse these game servers. Mm. And so we were watching our graph of available capacity. It looked like an airplane was rapidly crashing toward the earth, and we were like, <laughs> "How many minutes do we have until this becomes a major crisis?" And um, the answer was not many. Well so thankfully, we had so much telemetry available that we were able to diagnose, oh, there's a, a change in this state transition here. And so I was able to, uh, you know, with people looking over my shoulder, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, you know, trying to code with a gun to your head. It was very intense, very stressful. <laughs> um, applied a patch that would make it so that we could recover from that, that state transition behavior that had changed. And so we pushed that out, watched, you know, the plane never did touch Earth. Uh, it did recover. <laughs> available capacity resumed back to the levels that we needed it for the launch. And Whew, we saved the launch. But man, if we didn't have all that data, if we didn't have rich logging, you know, we have a philosophy on many of the teams that I've been on that you should be able to understand exactly everything that's going on mm -hmm. with your game server mm -hmm. from the logs alone, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't have your dashboards available, you, there's a drop in your metrics, your logs should tell you the full picture of what's going on. And thankfully, we were able to do exactly that. Identify what had changed, implement a fix, save the launch. And it was so gratifying just reading the articles in the press, you know, that week about how, hey, this is a really big deal. Uh, you know, a cloud hosted launch mm -hmm. of a, a AAA title mm -hmm. and there were no issues, mm -hmm. right? Everybody could play. Everybody had a great experience and it was a, a super, a great game. It had <laughs> super high scores. Mm -hmm. uh, we were all very proud of that, but it was kind of fun living through that tiny, you know, there was like four people in my office and we were like, oh God, how can we fix this? <laughs> <laughs> pulling, pulling that off thanks to the great data and great dashboards we had. That is amazing story. That's, that's definitely in the spirit of the boring launch. Well, we want to make it so that it's a boring launch, right? But, but thankfully you have all that data that helps you diagnose all the issues and then kind of jump into it. So it's clear that you have cut your teeth all the way in the, in the Titanfall 1 days, right? Uh, when you were still in Microsoft, I think you were working in the Thunderhead team. That's right. And and seems like, you, you know, you've been kind of following up the momentum, right? Because right now you are the director in EA that's focusing on game servers. That's right. By now you're like fully seasoned and like dealing with all these issues. I remember, I, I think going back to your stories about presentation in Stockholm, we had that privilege to, to actually work work again together in EA. I think uh, Need for Speed, the game server, we're using your platform. And that was that was a great collaboration that we had. Yeah, so I think like we shipped and then like we had in EA, we have, uh, you know, they have a gathering called Dev Days. Dev Days? Is it Dev Days? Yeah, Frostbite Dev Days. Frostbite Dev Days, yeah. Where, where we talk about like, you know, sharing some of our experience, like shipping these game servers, right? And yeah, going back to your story, I guess... I lost a bet, right? Do you remember what the story yeah, was? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's it's pretty typical uh, in the games industry to have what we call a war room mm -hmm. when you're launching a game, right. right? So you bring all the people responsible for making sure the game is running smoothly, that can react to problems if they arise, in the same room together, watching things. And, and we kind of make it a, a fun thing, mm -hmm. right? Um, like, you know, I got to be in the war room during the Star Wars Battlefront 2 launch. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when there wasn't anything going on, we were building Star Wars Lego. It was super, super fun. So that, yeah. It's the Death Star, uh, right? It's the, 
I don't remember exactly which one, but yeah, we had a bunch of very expensive Lego sets that were bought for the the team to work on that week. And right, right. <laughs> so we did. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for for Need for Speed Payback, you had made a bet with your team that if we had reached a certain player count, right. you would dress up in costume in the war room. And <laughs> you followed through on it. Good on your word. <laughs> yep. I was wearing an inflatable unicorn costume, I think. Yeah, it was, it was good times. And, and you looked very silly. <laughs> and so we, we put together a talk for Frostbite Dev Days. This was months after the launch, mm-hmm. just to kind of recap how that went, mm-hmm. right? Um, for my team, it was our first major launch at, uh, with our game server hosting platform mm-hmm. that we had built at EA. And so we were, you know, it was a kind of a retrospective. Here's what worked. Here's what we learned. And, and Ray wore his inflatable unicorn costume on stage during the entire talk. <laughs> so it was a little challenging to uh, keep a serious face on, but, but we pulled it off. I love it. I think launches can be stressful, right? I mean, like, because, you know, Murphy's Law, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. So I think it's best that we just make the best of it right, and make it fun. Absolutely. Fast forward. You know, you've shipped a lot of games at this point in EA because, you know, uh, there are a lot of games that uses like sort of an authoritative thing. So by now Mm -hmm. you have all this best practices nailed down to make sure that your team can, it's like a, a, like a clockwork, right? Where basically like, you know, you can, you can make sure that it's a successful ship every time. That's right. Yeah. And we're very fortunate to be in a position where we ship something every year. Right. Right. You know, there's a, there's a ton of incredible studios and franchises at EA and we could do it. We're involved in helping them have boring launches mm-hmm. and scale their game and run it efficiently. So, yeah, we we have a lot of fun doing that. What would you say is one thing that you can share with the listeners on that ritual that that practice that that saves your your bacon? Yeah. So one of the things it's kind of a, a, a cultural tradition for us is as we're getting ready to launch a game, we conduct an activity that we call war games. And so we usually do this a couple months ahead of a launch Mm -hmm. where the intent is to analyze what could fail, right? Look at your architecture diagram. What are all the dependencies? What happens when that dependency is unavailable? Mm -hmm. Not only, you know, is it a thought exercise, but we simulate those failures, right? We actually go through the practice of, okay, I'm going to like, you know, nuke this DNS record. I can't talk to that dependency anymore. First, can I detect that, mm-hmm. right? Will I actually be alerted when this fails? Okay, good, check. Make sure that that, has, that is true. Mm-hmm. When it does fail, how does the game handle it, mm-hmm. right? Is there fallback behavior? Like, for example, if your game uses a marketplace service and it has its own economy with items, what if that's not available? Can you still play your game? Mm-hmm. Well, this is a great opportunity for us to exercise that, that case. And then for all of these failures, having exercised them, we make sure we have great documentation for when this happens. Because mm-hmm. as you know, while we want launches to be boring every time, inevitably something happens. Murphy's Law, as you, as you, uh, as you called it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ha- do we know what we will do when that does happen? And so having that great documentation, we've all rehearsed it. We know exactly what to look for. We know how we'll be notified and we know how to respond. That has been such a huge help building confidence heading into these launches. And I like to think that is our, our largest key to making launches boring. Right. You know, there are multiple components, right, about exercising what happens if things really go wrong? Right. Because it's it's not just one thing. It's not just about the the data, the alert. Of course, like that is fundamental, right? But then, like there is the the people side of it. There is the process. There is the uh, the game side of it. There is the runbook, like you said. And sometimes runbooks can get stale, right? And then, like you know, it's it's that's why like the, the that that whole discipline to test out all your end to end workflow. It's very useful. So that I think I'm, I'm a big fan of war games myself. So mm-hmm. I think it's awesome that you are, uh, you're doing that religiously. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, you, you kind of touched on this. There's a whole lot of people that work very hard to make these game launches possible. Mm -hmm. And so this is a great moment to kind of bring them all together and kind of go through the exercise together and feel comfortable working together, you know, side by side, heading into that launch. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's, it's more useful than it may appear on the surface, just having worked through those exercises and understanding what could happen, how will we know, what will we do? Um, you know, it kind of establishes that, that great community that's required to successfully launch a game. Right. I think one thing that some of us that's been working in the online space that we realize that the importance of actually working closely with the game side of things to make sure that everything is nailed down. Because at the end of the day, like regardless of how amazing the game is, how much work that has been poured in by the designers, by the artists, by the gameplay, by AI and things like that. It you know, if if players cannot play the game, it's it's bad, right? And like, you know, it's it's all those uh, hard work and all those um, passion and, and energy kind of kind of got wasted, which is really sad, right? So it, it is very important to to take launches very, very seriously. Absolutely. And it's also really important to learn from, you know, there's tons of examples in our industry of when launches didn't go mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. um, I like referring people to the book Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, yeah. where every chapter is a story of something that didn't go well <laughs> and, you know, what we learned from it. And I think that's really important to reflect and, and learn from those lessons. Absolutely. You know, knowing you, Scott, you you are super passionate about games. You are one of the most fun guys that I've known. And and you've worked in in you've worked alongside legends, like in, in Xbox and in, in EA. Uh, I was just chatting with with our common friend Jerry Hook, and you know, you know, oh, yeah. all the stories that he talk about are like the people that we work with, right? So you know, any fun stories that you have, you know, Jeez, in yeah. your career? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, man, especially back in the Xbox days, there were some pretty amazing people. Uh, a lot of them, you, you wouldn't discover that they were these legends until later on after you'd worked with them for a while. Mm -hmm. So for, for a time, um, I, I worked for the guy who designed and implemented the achievement system mm. on Xbox 360, right. which for me and many changed forever the way that I play games. So shout out to Vince Curley if he's listening. Um, loved working for him. He was very uh, inspirational for me. And, um, you know, that was just once I made that discovery, I was just like, holy crap. Like, <laughs> thank you for making games so much more fun for me because <laughs> I'm a bit of a, a, a completionist. I, I'm not done with a game until I've unlocked every damn achievement in that game. <laughs> and it's thanks to Vince that I get to enjoy games that way. Um, another one is, uh, you know, sometimes I feel a little nostalgic and I'll plug in an old console from my childhood. Mm -hmm. And so I, I remember playing Super Punch-Out mm -hmm. on the Super NES mm -hmm. and, and posting one of my high scores uh, after, you know, it was one of like the later um, rounds. And I was like, man, that was a really hard fight, but I think I nailed it. And someone that I worked with tagged Ken Lobb mm -hmm. in, in my post because Ken Lobb's name was in the scoreboard, mm -hmm. baked into the cartridge. Right. And it turns out this Ken Lobb, which I was having, you know, regular meetings mm -hmm. with, worked on that game. Mm -hmm. And many others at Nintendo before joining Microsoft Game Studios. And like this guy is a legend. He's had his hands in some of my favorite games from my childhood. There's actually a gun in Goldeneye on N64 mm -hmm. named after Kent called the Club. And and so like, you know, it was pretty exciting to make that connection. Like, oh my gosh, this is Ken Lobb. Mm -hmm. And he like he, he he works in the same building. And and so someone tagged him, and you know what his response was? <laughs> Fight, fight me and killer instinct. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not worthy. 
but but it's true like you know sometimes it feels like this is a really big industry mm -hmm. it's really not it's a tiny industry yep. it's amazing how many folks you get to know in one capacity and then work with again later on in a different capacity you and i are proof of that right we work together at xbox again at ea mm -hmm. who knows when it'll happen next mm -hmm. and it's just you know it's the relationships that are so important staying connected Thank you for what you're doing with this podcast, bringing some of the community back together. Uh, it's been really fun for me hearing from some of your guests that I haven't talked to in ages <laughs> and some new ones that I haven't met yet. And so I, I, I think what you're doing is great. I hope you keep it up. So yeah, Scott, thank you so much for coming into the show. I really enjoyed hearing all those stories that, that you mentioned. It, it does bring a lot of nostalgia back. Um, <laughs> and, and I wish uh, I can convince you to come into the show again to talk about uh, other topics in the future. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, thanks for listening in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to share your launch stories, I'd love to chat with you. Email me at hello at boardinglaunch.gg or find me on Twitter or LinkedIn. I always love to hear more stories about game launches. I hope to see you in the next episode. Bye.